Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From one ear to another, this is a Mag's Creative Production. Ooh, I have a real treat for you all today as we welcome our first duo to Castaway. Uh, so a few years ago, Hannah and Saruthi met at a party, got drunk, as you do, and decided to start a true crime podcast together which you normally don't do. Within months, they had started recording the very first episodes of Red Handed. And millions of downloads later, they haven't looked back. Not your classic dinner party conversation. Red Handed covers everything from big-time serial killers to hauntings, bizarre whodunits, and basically anything that tickles their creepy fancy. On today's episode, we chat about how Red Handed was a matter of fate. Their love of true crime podcasts such as the Root of Evil podcast and the Forgotten Women of Horaz, as well as a castaway favourite, you may remember him from back in Series 1, Blind Boy, the Blind Boy podcast, and of course Back Issue, which tells the stories behind formative moments in pop culture. Now, enough from me, as there's a lot to unpack on today's episode. Welcoming Hannah and Saruthi from Red Handed to Castaway. Hannah and Saruthi, the hosts of Red Handed, welcome to Castaway. How are you? We're very well. Thank you so much for having us. I'm super excited to be here. Talking about podcasts is my absolute favourite pastime. (laughs) (laughs) And just talking to people in general these days, we don't get enough of it. So we're delighted to add you to the mix, Laura, because we basically just speak to each other all the time and that's it. (laughs) Happy happy to join as a threesome. I I, I think, I mean, a lot of people will know about your podcast and we will talk about that soon. I've also got a a list of recommendations because I always find it really interesting what people listen to. Sometimes there's obvious ones, sometimes there's a little bit of surprise there, (laughs) but some great ones. So... Thank you. But first of all, I'm going to go first to Saruthi. When did you first learn what a podcast was? Oh, do you know what? This is very embarrassing, but I didn't... Still don't know. Still don't know. What's a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Only one level down from that uh, that level of embarrassment. But basically like four years ago, four and a half years ago, I didn't know what a podcast was. I was just about to quit my job and go do the usual thing and go off and go traveling for about 10 months on my own. And uh, my dad is actually the one who told me what a podcast was and to listen to podcasts. And I was like, yeah, whatever, dad. And then I did actually listen. And I I started off by listening to Game of Thrones podcasts on my many like 27 hour bus journeys across Asia on my own. That's when the magic began. And then I realized there were true crime ones and I didn't need to sit in an airport somewhere trying to connect to Wi-Fi and watch Criminal Minds on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just, before you start listening to the Game of Thrones podcast, were you a fan of Game of Thrones or are you literally like, this is the only option of podcasts? Did you think all podcasts had to be like Game of Thrones related? Can you imagine? No, what I actually did was I had had an operation and then I had like about a 10 week recovery process and then I was going to go on my trip. So during those mm-hmm. 10 weeks, I just lay around 
on my sofa watching Game of Thrones. And that was the first time I'd ever watched it. And I was having, you know, sort of withdrawal symptoms when I had to leave. So it was sort of my uh, way of easing myself into reality. Perfect. Hannah, over to you. The first time you learned what the podcast was, what did you listen to? I was living in Korea. I used to be an English teacher. Um, You're so international, both of you. I was like, oh, I was in Ireland and Dublin. <laughs> As a kid, I used to listen to audiobooks like all the time. And one of the ones I listened to as a kid was on YouTube and I was super homesick living in Korea, like cleaning my apartment. I was like, oh, sick. I'll just put a bit of Carrie's War on. And it was on YouTube. So the next suggested video after I'd listened to all like eight hours of Carrie's War was Serial. <laughs> and I listened to the first episode of Serial and I was like, mm. oh my God, what is this? And I text my sister and I was like, do you know about podcasts? She was like, yes, Hannah, everybody knows about podcasts. Like, welcome. <laughs> and then that led me to This American Life and on and on and on and on forever and ever. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling so elated that they existed because I've always been in love with stories. I've always listened to rather than read books and they're everywhere and there's millions of them and they're free. So it felt like it really was like for me when it when I first discovered them. It's kind of like finding your people as well, because I know there, Hannah, you're talking about, you know, finding Serial and This American Life and all these kind of crime podcasts. When I started doing this podcast, and I talk about quite a variety of podcasts, everything on this, but I remember like someone coming up to me, one of the floor managers on set being like, oh, I heard you talk about crime podcasts. We have a club. We talk about it all the time. And I was like, oh my God, there's like this other world of people who kind of feel the same way. I want to talk about how you guys got together because you met at a party. We did. I was living in a property guardianship in Poplar in East London. I just so cool. Well, it's just because I had no money, Laura, honestly. I was living with an American who decided he wanted to do a, a vegan Thanksgiving party, but didn't want to cook any of it himself. I had to do it. And <laughs> we also had Delightful. another guy who was sleeping on the sofa, who was Saru's childhood friend. And he was like, oh, my friend's just come back from traveling. Like, can she come too? And I was like, well, I'm already cooking for like 13 people. Like, it doesn't matter, whatever. It was really quite salty about it. And then Saru showed up and it was like what you imagine meeting the love of your life to be like. It was this instant chemistry and connection. And four years ago when we met each other, not that many people were listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. So to, find, to meet someone who was A, listening to podcasts as much as I was, and then as we went on to discover listening to the very niche true crime podcasts that we were both listening to felt like this like seminal moment. So that night we decided that we were going to start our own true crime podcast, knowing absolutely nothing about each other. <laughs> and against the odds, we did. A lot of people do podcasts for different reasons. But for you, were you guys kind of just doing it for fun? Because I think you just like, when you first started, like when I listened to the first series, I'm going to, got to be honest, girls, the quality got a little bit better <laughs> of the sound quality. <laughs> it got a little bit, it got a little bit more professional. Absolutely. I think that does sum it up really well, actually, Laura. The idea was just, we just love to talk. And <laughs> we realised very quickly, even at this party, that not everybody was as interested in listening to us talk about a bunch of horrible murders that we were just very interested in. I certainly didn't have that many friends who were also really into true crime as much as I was. So I think part of it was we just wanted to find our people. Like you said, we thought if we can start this podcast you know, there's relatively low investment to do so. We just bought a 10 pound microphone, as you can quite clearly hear in the first few episodes. <laughs> and we thought, let's give it a try. Why not? And I think the other thing was, we're not 
we weren't famous. We're not anybody who anybody knew. Who were we going to go to to try and get on the radio or to try get a show somewhere just because we thought that we were entertaining or we had something interesting to say? And I think mm-hmm. that is the best thing about podcasting is that anyone can start one. You just need a microphone. You just need a weird cupboard to get yourself locked in trying to improve the sound quality. And <laughs> if you think you've got a story to tell, it's kind of like the perfect scenario because the people will tell you. If they're interested, they'll keep listening and uh, you can go from there. And I think that's basically what happened to us. We certainly had no grand plans about becoming, you know, about the podcast getting to where it is today. It was Mm -hmm. just meant to be a sort of creative outlet, something fun, like a fun hobby for us to have. And then it kind of just took on a life of its own. Well, let's talk about where it is today. It did start in 2017, but today Red Handed is an internationally renowned podcast. Thousands of self-proclaimed spooky bitches <laughs> turning in every week. Great comments always underneath. And uh, I think one of the first ones I listened to, because I do love... I do love a true crime, but I also have to be careful when I listen to them. Like, I can't listen to them before I go to sleep because then I don't sleep. That's very wise. And I've had that before where my other half is like, why are you like, stop listening before you go to bed? You know what's going to happen. But what you guys, um, compared to like the serials and I've just listened to Paradise recently, which is quite heavy. Mm-hmm. Like there's light in there too. You do find the light in it. I think one of the first ones I listened to was like a love triangle where this girl, Sadie Hartley, she was brutally murdered and there's this like you know it's a really horrific story but like during it there's one scene where like you know th- someone had come to her house the week before <laughs> with flowers and then I, I remember which one of you come in I think it was Hannah comes yeah. in going oh god I hate when someone buys your flowers from like a cheap garage <laughs> and I'm like I love it so by this time Ian has come back from Switzerland and finally the police get some real leads from him Ian tells them that when he spoke to Sadie during the week, she had been worried because of something that happened the Tuesday before. So pretty much the day that Ian had left for Switzerland. Someone had knocked on the door of the house and when Sadie opened it, it was a person in a baseball cap who handed her a cheap bunch of flowers. I find it so offensive when someone clearly brings flowers to your house that they bought at a fucking petrol station. Like, I find it so offensive especially if it's a fucking well exactly that's even but you know if it's your boyfriend and you've fallen out and he's done something wrong and he clearly just at the last minute picks up a bunch of flowers at the petrol station i literally would rather you like never returned again rather than gave me flowers from a petrol station anyway hannah i think i think you need to be more grateful not for petrol station flowers seriously i mean i'm not really a flowers kind of girl but this would kind of freak you the hell out some random person turns up at your house and just gives you a bunch of flowers. There's no note. They're clearly not florist flowers. It's a bunch of, like you said, petrol station flowers from a stranger with nothing. No note, no card. Yeah, it's terrifying. How important is it to have the light with the dark in there? Super important, but also wasn't intentional. Like when we started the show, we never set out to be a comedy true crime show. We just got lucky that we get on and we find the same things funny. And I think that it's no secret that laughing about something makes you feel better. And sometimes because we cover these, you know, horrendous people who've done truly horrendous things, sometimes it feels good to laugh about it. So we do. Mm. And everyone's doing it in their homes anyway. How do you feel now? There's so many new podcasts in the last year. Do you feel a little bit protective? Because I mean, like you girls have been doing it for so, lo- so long now. You're a bit like, oh, who's this with another another true crime <laughs> podcast? We've been doing this longer. No, I think it is just like we said, the idea that 
if you are good and you have a good story to tell and you've got good chemistry and you're bringing some new insights, because I honestly would um, never want to start a true crime podcast now. I think it's so Mm -hmm. difficult. I have such like respect for anybody who is like, you know what, I'm going to do it now. I think Hannah and I did it just again, total accident at the right time. Mm -hmm. It is such a crowded space to stand out in that genre is really difficult. So if anybody were to ask me now, oh, I'd love to start a true crime podcast, Ruti, what advice could you give me? I'd be like, I honestly don't know. (laughs) I really don't know. But I think that full respect to anybody who wants to try, we can't have enough voices. I think that's, again, the great thing about podcasting is there's no barriers to entry and there's nobody sort of sat there on the corporate board saying, well, you're not quite the right kind of person that we want to be telling this story or whatever. You know, it's, it's the people will decide. So full power to anybody who wants to. And the one thing which, well, similar to this podcast, when we first started this, we're in series four now, when we first started, I remember thinking, you know, what happens if we run out of podcasts? Let's be honest, <laughs> we're never going to run out of podcasts. And it's similar with, with murders. You're never, which is quite, yeah, morbid, but you're never going to run out of murder to talk about, sadly. No, I will never run out because people will keep killing each other as they always have. But also, I don't think I'll ever stop being interested in it. One of the things I feel really grateful to be able to explore on Red Handed is that no one goes around and can kill someone for no reason. There's always a why. Mm -hmm. And that telling that story and exploring that story is my favorite thing about the show. What is it about murders that we're so interested in? Why are we (laughs) like as humans, we we love these real life stories and it's dark, but why why are we so, I know, drawn to them? I think it's human nature, I think, Laura. I think we are obsessed with fear. And we're obsessed with death. And I think the, sadly to say, the more depraved a case is, the more we are drawn towards it as humans, I think. And I think it's possibly because it is a safe way to explore the very extremes of human Mm. behavior. You're not intimately involved in this case. You're listening from a safe distance. And yes, of course, the empathy will be there. The sadness of the tragedy that's happened will be there. But it gives you that safe distance from which to analyze, to critique, to comment upon what's happened and to immerse yourself just enough in the feelings of it that you can still sort of close the book or turn off the podcast Mm -hmm. and walk away and go back to your life, you know, watching Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, 90 Day Fiance and sitting on the sofa and eating (laughs) chips. You don't have to live with the pain of it. But I think it gives us just enough of a taste of that level of fear that we all want to feel Mm -hmm. at some level and still get to walk away from it okay. I think that we are just morbidly curious creatures. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think a lot of times people feel maybe like guilty or they feel like it's a dark obsession, but I think Mm. it's just part of who we are. I don't think there is any point denying our nature. We are just interested in this kind of thing. And I think it's like Hannah said, it's the people and the reasons and the psychology behind why these things happen, rather than just people wanting to talk about grizzly shit. Like, that's what I yeah. believe. Yeah, there's much more to it. We're not just really messed up beings. There's, there's a depth to it. Exactly. There's a depth to it. That's what we like to say anyway. <laughs> Uh, there was a comment actually from one of your new listeners, because that's the great thing about podcasts. People are just finding you for the first time, especially during lockdown yeah. when, you know, people are going to stories. And someone commented in, only just started this podcast. It's been amazing. Keeping my brain active over lockdown 3.0. I feel like I'm going over cases with my friends. Thanks, <laughs> ladies. But there is that, I guess, actually, this is the first time, I think, on this podcast, I believe, that I've got two people on talking about Ooh. things. Oh, yeah, there you go. Um, are you quite similar people, do you think? Or do you think... 
you know, there's a lot of differences there and that's why it works. No, we're not similar. But I think <laughs> that's why the show works so well, because we are so different. Not in a conflicting way, I don't think. I think in terms of our core values and like what we believe in at the core of everything, like our principles, they are very much united and uniform. And I yeah, think that's, that's, what, that's what gives Red Handed its heart and its sort of core, if you will. But in terms of like other things, we're so different. And I think that's what gives the show a really well-roundedness, we like to think. Well, Castaway is a podcast about podcasts. And for two very different people, I've been given a collection of recommendations. <laughs> How hard was it to decide on this? It was hard to cut it down, honestly. Yes. Like we were like, yes. had like 15 to 20 that we wanted to send. Absolutely. Um, because we're podcast people, we could talk about it forever. Do you have a similar taste in, because there's a mixture of stuff here. And, there, you know, there are some kind of dark crime but then there's other stuff there as well do you listen to a lot of podcasts yourselves Hannah like outside of your world because obviously when you do podcasts a lot like when you work in telly sometimes you don't want to watch telly but you are podcast lovers yes I had a bit of a fallout with podcasts when lockdown happened because I wasn't commuting anymore industry-wide there was this massive drop and yeah. now it has you, you know, more than recovered because people have changed their listening habits. But when the commutes stopped, as a podcast mm-hmm. consumer, I just stopped listening. So I've had mm-hmm. to rediscover a way of listening. And I'm so, so grateful that I did. And I'm getting excited to listen to the next episode of whatever I'm listening to again now, which is so nice. Well, let's move on to the first podcast on this list. And it's Root of Evil podcast. Tell me a little bit about this. Of course, a murder is involved. (laughs) Yes, quite definitely one murder. And then quite a lot of other horrible stuff as well happens in that podcast. This was actually possibly one of mine and Hannah's favorite podcasts from Mm -hmm. last year. I think we listened to this one in Romania, didn't we? Oh, we possibly did. And I probably listened to it again since. God, where do you start with this show? Laura, do you know the the Black Dahlia murder case in the US, the the famous sort of LA film. There is a film as well, isn't there? Exactly. So I I guess with Black Dahlia, they say it is one of the most famous murders in American history. It's uh, It's been the 40s, wasn't it? Elizabeth Short. Elizabeth Short, exactly. And basically her body was found on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And this story of Root of Evil is essentially done by these two um, women who are sisters who believe that the killer was their was it their great-grandfather, a man named George Hodel? And it's just, I, I can't explain how riveting a show it is because it feels like such a personal story of these two sisters exploring generations of trauma mm-hmm. stemming from one man in their family. A man they're related to as well. Because you guys talk about things that are, you know, you can talk about murders and when it's away from you, but to be involved in that way. Absolutely. And he is the root of evil, I guess, not to be too on the nose about it. But uh, it's about the trauma that he inflicts upon his children and then the the way in which that trauma sort of trickles down throughout the family, reaching all the way to them and how they believe that he was the culprit who murdered Elizabeth Short. And it is just such a fascinating insight into a family's personal tragedy, but also into a larger case of Elizabeth Short, which just, you know, gripped a nation at the time, and also into the police investigation and things like that. It's just a fascinating story. So did you guys listen to this one together first time? Yeah, we went to, for Saru's birthday a few years ago, we were like, let's just go and drive through Transylvania for a week. 
my birthday's also two days before Halloween. So we were like, Lovely. where's the creepiest place <laughs> yeah. we can go? Let's go to Transylvania. So Romania, beautiful country, but everything is very, very spread out. And there's about three roads. So we would be driving for like upwards of four hours a day, sometimes six hours a day to like go and see all of the different stuff like Dracula's castle. And there's a salt mine where you can just go underground for no reason. So we did all of these really cool Romanian things, but also spent a lot of time in the car. So we listened to Roots of Evil together. And what's so wonderful about it is like, we tend not to do olden timey cases on the show, especially super famous ones like the Black Dahlia, because we don't feel like we have anything yeah. to offer because they've been done so many times and what possible addition could we make? But that's what's so amazing about Root of Evil because they tell the story in terms of generational trauma. You f- you're feeling the effects as it's happening now. It doesn't feel like an olden timey case as you're listening to it. I mentioned there about not listening to murder or true crime podcasts at nighttime. You talked about driving there together. Do you prefer listening to podcasts by yourself or is it nice having someone else to kind of uh, chat to it about afterwards? I find it hard to concentrate when there's another person there. I don't know why, Mm because I happily watch TV with somebody else there. (laughs) But podcast does feel like a very personal thing. I much prefer podcasts when I'm in bed, when I wake up first thing in the morning and I'm just laying about or when I'm walking Mm -hmm. the dog. That's like my podcast time. But Hannah and I, yeah, like she said, it worked because we had a lot of drive time. But normally, I think both of us actually prefer listening alone. I just can't think of a better birthday treat than driving through Romania <laughs> around Halloween, listening to the Root of Evil Honestly, podcast. Honestly, cannot recommend Romania enough. I we know. had such a great time. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, I know this isn't a travel podcast, but go to Romania, everyone. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> Do you know what? I would never even think of putting it on the list, but I've never been. So I'll stick it on the list whenever we can travel again. Absolutely. Yeah, the next podcast that is on your recommendations is Back Issue. Tell me about Back Issue. So when we started Red Handed in 2017, Another Round, which is a podcast produced by BuzzFeed, hosted by Tracy Clayton and Heaven Nagati, was mm-hmm. it. It was the biggest show in the world. It won every award. And Tracy shouted us out on um, Another Round <laughs> when we'd only been going for like, I think, literally three months. So... We felt like that was, couldn't possibly be real. So we got in touch with Tracy and kept this dialogue um, going with her. And she's been an incredible mentor in the podcast. Wait, did you message her and go, is this real? Tracy, is this real? (laughs) Are you the real Tracy Clayton? After we had a total meltdown in the pub, uh, we realized as well that Tracy had done this. (laughs) And she's come on red handed now and she's a a wonderful friend. And Mm. also the most charismatic person I've ever met. Like every sentence out of her mouth is a soundbite, which makes her A, an icon, and B, effortless podcaster. So Back Issue is her most current show that she's doing with a guy called Josh Gwynn, who's a producer over at Pineapple Street. And mm-hmm. it's just about pop culture, which is incredible. My favorite one is the one they did about America's Next Top Model. Yeah. And you don't think about it at the time, but it, some of it is really problematic. But like still my favorite mm-hmm. pop, pop culture moment of all time is Tyra losing her absolute mind at Tiffany being like, learn something from this. <laughs> and there is a whole episode of Back Issue about that moment. Like what else could you want? Yeah. And then also they get Jay Manuel on to explain what it was like being the art director. Before we go there, let's rein it back and kind of revisit some of the moments that we think of when we think of the name Tyra Banks and then see if Jay maybe has some of the answers. But first, the stunts. I cannot think of a stuntier queen than Tyra Banks. Josh, I don't know if you're aware, but Tyra has 
has made some decisions in her day. Oh, I know. Did a couple of wild things. Um, like that time she gave out bedazzled Vaseline to her talk show audience, and they were so excited for some I think about that like once a week. Or that time that she went undercover as like homeless and she just like uh, put dirt on her face and was like, like, I'm homeless now. Oh my. And then she did the same thing when she went undercover as an overweight person in like a fat suit. I remember that. Like, or remember when she had Kenya from America's Next Top Model like pretend to be an elephant? When like, she was she real was, like, worried about her weight. Exactly. Yes. Could have been a coincidence. We're going to get into that one later for sure. Yes. We have to spend some time there. We must because I'm still not over that. I'm still not over a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> but that. Right. She has this tendency to make everything about herself. Like one time she gave Miley Cyrus a birthday present for her 16th birthday and it was a picture of her at 16. What? Wait. Hold on. Time out. Wait a second. Did this happen like in real life? Yeah, it happened in real life. They were at Disneyland. At Disneyland? Wait. <laughs> that is me at 16 years old. So what I want to do is I'm going to give you this. This symbolizes me and I'm so proud of you. Oh my gosh. Carrying the torch I, of the 16 year olds. I could like not ask for a cooler present. Sarah really? Banks gave Miley Cyrus two pictures of her for her birthday. This represents me <laughs> on your day, but it's about me on your day. Happy birthday to me. you. Here's a picture of me. me. I hope you can be like me. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> From Tyra Banks. <laughs> <laughs> She's so goofy. I mean, there's all different types of moments they talk about, and it's all like well-known moments in pop culture that you wouldn't think you could make a podcast out of. The one I listened to was, and this brings me back, like MTV Video Music Awards, but remember Brandy and Monica, do you remember they had that yes. song together? And then they apparently had this punch-up. And then you're like, oh my God, a whole podcast, we can talk about this and scrutinize this. And just... And I love it. Again, it's kind of similar to why we're so obsessed with murders mm-hmm. and stuff. We just love, I don't know, there's certain people in pop culture we just become obsessed with and we kind of want to know or think that we should know what's going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. And I think the Tyra Banks one in particular is such a, an eye-opener because I think so many of our generation, especially women, grew up watching that show and loving it. And then here mm-hmm. is this podcast now, a way in which we as modern women now consume our entertainment. And it's uh, critiquing all the incredibly problematic things that were happening in our childhood from this show we were obsessed with. I think uh, that's just such a fascinating premise for a show and absolutely why it works. And to be honest, anything Tracy did would work, but of course, if it's about pop culture. Even better. <laughs> uh, that's a brilliant one. I'm moving on to the next one. And actually, I'm so happy you brought this up, uh, the Blind Boy podcast, because Blind Boy actually was on this show on series one, talking about his recommendations. And I'm a huge fan. Tell me about this podcast and how you came across it. When I was a student, I worked at the Soho Theatre behind the bar. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely the best job ever because you just got to watch loads of shows. And the Rubber Bandits came quite a few times in the couple of years that I worked there and I got to watch their show probably about 14 times one (laughs) night after the other. And I was just stunned by A, how good it was and B, the consistency of their performance was working there. You see a lot of comedians and not every night is the same, but (laughs) it's always an incredible show. So I started sort of following them back then, which would have been 2012, something like that. And then Mm -hmm. when Blind Boy Boat Club happened and then the Blind Boy podcast, I was like, oh, I am going to love this. Like there is no question that this is absolutely right up my street. And every time I listen, I learn something. 
I remember actually going to one of his live shows, Body and Soul Festival in Ireland. I brought my mom, of course. <laughs> and she, afterwards, she was like, that man with the plastic bag on his head is so profound. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we, sh- we should mention he wears a plastic bag on his head, yes. actually, for those who don't know. Yeah, He just speaks so eloquently. And I think people can sometimes have assumptions mm-hmm. if they know from the music of Rubber Bandits. And he just, I don't know, sees the world a different way mm-hmm. or just or just has a clarity or maybe just the use of words that he puts together. Um, it's just really, I don't know, I just always feel like my brain has had a good seeing to after I listen to his podcast. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Does that make sense? It's like, I mean, it's just, he's a master storyteller and the master of like mm. set up conflict resolution. Like I was listening to one the other day and he starts it off by being like, oh, Guinness kind of looks like a priest and you're like that's funny that that is that is funny I'm hooked <laughs> I'm invested and true and then it turns into this narrative of how Guinness is actually super protestant and unionist and considered rebranding as an English drink because they didn't want to be associated with the IRA and it's weird how the Catholic Church is so powerful in Ireland and it's sort of this cannibalistic ritual of eating the body and blood of Christ and then there's these Protestants making all the Catholics drink priests like it's just it's it's incredible it's a masterclass in storytelling Guinness is so ubiquitous to Irishness, you don't really give it any critical thought. It's just there all the time. So you don't really give it critical thought. So when I want to give something critical thought, I think, what would an alien think? I think one thing I find interesting is if an alien arrived in Ireland in the 1910s, in the 1920s, in the 1800s, and he saw all these Irish people drinking pints of Guinness and if that alien was to say to themselves what's the crack here with Ireland wow there's an awful lot of priests fuck me the Catholic Church is is incredibly powerful here in this country and what do the people do alright okay so they're, they're very Catholic and they go to Mass every Sunday and then what does the man at Mass say Oh, the man at mass says that wine is blood. So they involve themselves in some type of strange cannibal ritual where the priest man tells the Irish people to drink the blood of this other man and there's this strange drinking and cannibalism thing going on. And then when you go to the pub, they seem to drink little glasses of priest. So that's the first thing I would say if I was an alien and I didn't know anything, I'd say, isn't it strange... That these Irish people who listen to all these priests who have black shirts with white collars, that when these Irish people go to enjoy themselves away from the priests, they drink drinks that look exactly like priests. Also, one of the things he talks about a lot is the ASMR, the sound. Blind Boy does this, I guess, with the plastic bag because he wears it over his face. There's always a rustling when he talks. The vape, the vape. Like, you can actually hear him inhale and exhale. But it works. What, like, how do you find the, what's the importance of sound in a podcast? Even if it's, my phone goes off or the doorbell rings. It doesn't really matter in a podcast, does it? I do think that people are more forgiving in podcasts. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of makes people get what they want from a podcast, which is to feel like, they are with you to feel like they're sat with you in your house because that's the thing with red-handed we always want you to feel like you're just hanging out at the pub with your mates so I Mm -hmm. feel like it's just part of that sort of immersive experience that people look for from podcasts possibly and that's why maybe they're a bit more forgiving of it I think that's the thing about podcasting that people find quite comforting as well because 
it's you, know, you can listen to the radio and hear like, oh, I, this is a studio and I am doing my professional job. But there's something about mm-hmm. podcasting that is a little bit more relaxed. So when things like that happen, like background noises or like a dog barking or the phone rings, I think it's a nice reminder mm-hmm. of what podcasting is, which is just a bit more chill, I think. Uh, the podcast reportedly has quarter of a million weekly listens in Ireland, over a million worldwide listeners monthly. And and one thing which Blind Bite talks a lot, and I know he does Patreon as well, but little did he know, like his, he makes his money from his podcast. Like when he started out, he probably thought music was, was going to be mm-hmm. his number one. And he talks about royalties being so shit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and how, you know, this the financial freedom having a podcast has, has given him. For you guys, when you started this for fun, you probably never thought it was an outlet that you could monetize. Oh, definitely not. I think, you know, like we said before, we didn't expect this to be anything. We thought it would just be something that we would have as a hobby on the side. Both of us were working uh, full-time, incredibly demanding jobs. And this was just, you know, a weekend thing that we were going to have. No one expected it to get to where it is. About six months into the show, firstly, we got picked up by Acast. They picked us up when, you know, we were tiny, minuscule. And we're so eternally grateful for that because they really transformed it for us. They really helped us monetize the show to grow our audience. And then about 18 months after that, we were finally in a situation where we had to make a decision. Either the podcast had to become a full-time thing for at least one of us, or we were going to have to stop because everything just got consumed by Red Handed. And we were super happy about it because it meant that the show was successful. But at the same time, Hannah and I were both on the edge. We were both completely worn out. And so finally, thanks to Acast and also thanks to Patreon, we were able to make the leap and Hannah was able to go full-time first. And we thought that'll really ease things up for me and for her. But then all that happened is Hannah's extra work on the show just meant that it got even busier. And Mm -hmm. then thankfully though, about five months after Hannah went full-time, I was able to join her full-time. And yeah, we are now both professional podcasters, which is not something we ever, ever dreamt about being able to do. Um, The financial freedom that we've been able to get through podcasting and being able to just explore that creative side and what we want to do and produce excellent content, it's been life-changing. Is it weird when someone says to you, like, what's your profession? And you say podcaster. (laughs) 10 years ago, imagine saying to the career guidance counselor, what do you want to do when you grow up podcaster? They'd be like, what? Uh, It is weird. But also, I mean, we're so incredibly lucky. I mean, we work very hard, but we are incredibly lucky. And it's just so nice to not have the Sunday scaries anymore. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
The next uh, recommendation that you both given is is a classic, Harmontown. Tell me about Harmontown. Harmontown is actually a really key turning point in the mm-hmm. red-handed story. It was one of the first podcasts I listened to religiously when I moved back to London. And I used to be get so excited for when it came out on a Wednesday because I was like, oh, it's three hours. The guests are amazing and Dan's hilarious. And I've always been an enormous Dan Harmon fan. Like our, our bed from Community is my favorite character in anything ever. So I, I just mm-hmm. enjoyed it endlessly. And then one day about eight months into doing it, <laughs> we got a tweet in the middle of the night that said, hi, Hannah and Sariti, Dan Harmon says he wants to fly you out to LA to be guests on Harmontown. <gasps> and we both woke up to this tweet and we were like, shut the front door. No way. This is no way, no way. And then, yeah. and I have a friend who at the time worked as an assistant in Hollywood. So I rang her and I was like, get me Dan Harmon's assistant now. <laughs> So we emailed and we were like, are you serious? And they were like, yes, we're serious. We'd love to fly you out. So we went to LA for four days and were guests on Harmontown, which was the most surreal experience of all. Because like four days in LA is not enough time to get your sleep sorted out for a start. So we were both up at three o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. hanging out in this hotel, not really knowing what to do. And Dan expects his guests to improv. And we, so we had to do that. And all of his shows are live. But well. people know from whose line, whose line is it anyway? He's exactly. The, he's the king of improvisation, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. yeah. It was, the fear was real, believe us, Laura, because to put it into context, I had taken a week off from my job in London to go to LA. And suddenly you find yourself on stage with Dan Harmon and Jeff Davies and all these other people who are incredibly funny comedians. And we were the only guests that day, so all eyes on us. And suddenly they're just like, hey guys, should we do some 911 improv? Like, we'll just pretend like we're each on a 911 call and then just see where that goes. So go. And uh, also the truth behind that particular episode, if you go and listen to it, which I am actually incredibly proud of, I think we did do a very good job in the end. But Hannah and I had actually got up very early that day, seeing as we couldn't sleep and decided- Super hungover as well. Super hungover because uh, when you party with Dan Harmon and his fiance <laughs> and his friends, let's just say you you don't leave not completely smashed. And the next morning we woke up very early and we were like, let's do something productive to shake this hangover. So we decided to go and we were going to hike up to the Hollywood sign. Didn't read enough about how to do it. So we got an Uber to, to a place and then just started to hike. We had one bottle of water between us and Hannah didn't even have a hat on. It was absolutely scorching. And we walked around for quite a while and then realized after hours and hours of walking in this heat that we were in fact on top of Mount Hollywood. So we were (laughs) on the mountain looking down at the sign, nowhere near where the picture shot is. (laughs) And then somehow we managed to get an Uber from there. And even the guy who picked us up was like, I don't know how you managed to flag me down. Drove down and realized there's just a little park that everybody gets a bus or an Uber to take a photo in front of the Hollywood sign and then leave and live their lives. Let's just say there was a lot of heat stroke happening. <laughs> oh, and then bless you. We just had to, and then you had to go, go and do on, the hot day. It was horrific, but absolutely like outer body experience for people like me and Hannah who were mm-hmm. never part of that world and never thought we would be it was incredible and we can't thank Dan enough for signal boosting a podcast like us who were at that time just completely nobody and he didn't need to do that at all but it, when Hannah says it was a changing point for us it truly was because our listenership went through the roof after that and uh, so glad that we were able to hold on to those people as well 
And there's one true crime story associated with the Hollywood sign. Peg Entwistle hurled herself off of one of the letters when it was still Hollywood land, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was kind of like looking at Jeff. I thought Jeff for some who? reason was like, I know so Peg. Who is that? What's her? What's the she person? She was an thing? actor. Nineteen. It was like nineteen thirty something. Uh-huh. She jumped off the. I don't know. Did she stand on the top of the actual letters? If she didn't, it doesn't really count as jumping off the Hollywood. Yeah, it side. doesn't. But uh, yeah, I, she, I, I used to walk up there back in the day where b- before like there was uh, motion sensor like security. And uh, you, you could hike up there and you could just hang out and have a drink under the, the last O on, on Hollywood. And it was very good. And, and now if you go up there, you, you'll just get killed. Oh, yeah. We saw a coyote, like a real one. Huh? Yeah. I've never seen one before in my Broad life. Daylight, aggressive, <laughs> fire-displaced coyotes. Yes. Yes. Welcome so, to the jungle, girls. <laughs> they're so bold now. I keep seeing them. This last year, I swear to God, when you drive your car by or something or you come out by your car, like they'll come up to people like a, like a domesticated dog, like happy to see people. And it's like, this is, this is going to be bad. Um, because like they're gonna get hit by cars or they're gonna eat everyone's dogs or something. But if you, if you yell at a coyote, they'll go away. But what they're gonna do is eat your neighbor's cat. Right. They, they will. I, 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 I'm, I'm for real. Like 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 you, you'll like if you live in Los Feliz or like n- near the park, uh, you, you'll just hear the sound of yeah. animals. There's a dying. family of them. I store right in that. Like there's a bramble of things like right on the other side of that wall in my backyard. Yeah, it's a fucking. I actually need to talk to you about this because a. <laughs> You're on the payroll. Yeah. This falls to you, really. Yeah. And B, you, you're famous on this podcast for having like prepped a coyote fighting method. Oh yeah, so, I've been out there. Come at me! <laughs> I do Fight yell me. stuff at him now. I like open my window and go go like like yeah, fuck you. I, and, I, then, I, and then they go like. Bah, bah, bah. I go fuck it off. So, like, like I just like yell at them. Saruti and Hannah, did, did you see wildlife today? We saw we saw the one coyote, right. yeah. but as soon as we took our phones out, that was enough. It ran away. <laughs> and um, we saw some signs about rattlesnakes, but no actual rattlesnakes. Yeah, which yeah. is good because she it, had sandals it, on. It's cold, so they're hibernating right now, but they're there. They, they are love there. It. They're, they're, they're Do they fucking... hibernate? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, What's wow. the most cold dangerous boy. non-human life form in London? Theresa May. <laughs> <laughs> The next podcast I want to talk about, I guess it's more than a crime story, really, because it's all about connecting the dots as well. It's Forgotten Women Mm. of Haraz. And I mean, it it can be a tough listen, but it is... For me, it was one of those that you can't really walk away from. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes you can, like some podcasts, you can kind of turn off and not think about them until you go back to it again. But this one stuck with me. Tell me about Forgotten. So Forgotten, The Women of Juarez, is a podcast that I only discovered actually about seven days ago. So mm-hmm. Hannah and I, we cover a different case on every episode of Red Handed. And so the episode that went out yesterday was on femicide in Mexico. So over the past like five years, the murders of women uh, linked to cartel violence has escalated by about 137% in Mexico, which is unbelievable. The data we pulled up for this episode we put together was that 10 women a day are murdered in Mexico, which is just a number that I can barely wrap my head around. And there are female activists there doing amazing things, protesting for this, but the government is largely ignoring it. And uh, while it is a nationwide issue, there is one town, one city in particular called uh, Ciudad Juarez, uh, which is where this podcast focuses, that is a border town with the US. So the cartel violence there is 
explosive because of the geographical advantage that it has. So you have this town that is such a, and I hate to say this because I know that women who were interviewed in this podcast who grew up there in the early 2000s or the 90s said it was the most beautiful, peaceful place, but it's transformed completely now into a sort of war-torn land. There's no other way to describe it. And it is run by the drug cartels. It is incredibly violent. And the reason that we know this is because women and girls are vanishing at an alarming rate from this town. And not just vanishing, they're turning up dead. They're turning up in mass graves dead. So the first mass grave started to turn up in the sort of mid-2010s. And nowadays, unless the grave has more than 10 bodies, it doesn't even make the headlines because it's become such a common problem. And in Forgotten, the Women of Juarez, the podcast, they are speaking to female journalists who were on the ground trying to investigate what was happening. And it's such a powerful and moving and terrifying story about how the women there are being victimized by these killers, but then being re-victimized by the state when nobody investigates what happened to them. But stuff like this, you know, you see, read things in the paper and you see numbers and sometimes numbers don't mean anything. But I guess with this, they really humanized women by speaking to people in their lives. It's the way it's all put together. And I guess the importance of a podcast and same with podcasts that you do, you kind of humanize situations. And that's what we connect to that these women who go missing, they're not just numbers. No, and I think that's the key thing about true crime content, because sometimes we can hear people being like, oh, well, you know, true crime for entertainment is gross and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but yeah. just because our show is conversational doesn't mean we're not having important conversations, presenting things in an accessible way that isn't just a serious man talking like this and telling you some numbers is more engaging. And I think people are more likely mm -hmm. to remember it and take it with them. And speaking of the importance of storytelling, I'm going through your list and one that I actually had never listened to before. The Creep Dive. Tell yeah. me about The Creep Dive. It's what podcasting is all about. It is three women, very funny, very Irish, just telling interesting stories that they found. Sometimes it's about competitive tickling. Sometimes it's about Victorian <laughs> underpants. Like it's just Hold on a second. Incredible. Competitive tickling. What? <laughs> oh my God. Do you not know about competitive tickling? There's a documentary called Tickled, which follows the art of competitive tickling, which is uh, no nice way of putting it. It's porn. It's just soft porn. But there's this entire organization in America that seem to be acquiring young men and tying them down and then gently tickling them and then selling those videos for a lot of money. And the documentary follows this journalist who's trying to explore this competitive tickling thing. And is like, guys, I think this is porn. And then the guy who organizes the whole thing be like, how, how dare you? How dare you even insinuate that this is in any way to do with sex? I'd recommend watching it. And the creek dive absolutely sent me in that direction towards that documentary. I love, they say, from con artists to encounters with the supernatural, they delve deeper than any normal person has time for. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's so amazing. And also, I, th I think I've got this right. It's their job now. So they were just normal people, normal jobs. And the creek drive was such a enormous success that they've started a production company yeah. called Tall Tales. And that's their And you love to see it. I love it when people do podcasts and then they're successful and then go on to be podcast moguls. It's amazing. I guess you guys work really well together because you're mates. You can tell that. Uh, as you said, you're different, but you've also got similar interests in some ways. What is it about Sophie and Jen that kind of works on this? In a way that like with your sister or with your really, yeah. really good mates, you can be like, oh, shut up. And, and that is... <laughs> 
absolutely what they do, but in a lovely way. And I think, you know, they're all quite different characters, but similarly to Cerisi and I, the driving force of the show is really interesting stories. And I think they do that so well. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, okay, hold on. Let's get into Let's it. do Welcome an introduction. Back. Welcome back to the Creep Dive. This is the podcast where we do all the research on those stories that you don't really fully investigate and you just like reading the headlines for. Not me though. I'll just deliver a headline and you guys can go <laughs> off and do the research Or it's after. like it's the follow-up. It's all the creepy internet stuff that you don't have the time to research, but we surprisingly do. <laughs> Strange, isn't mm, it? It's Odd. the Wikipedia deep dive that you have way more valuable things to do with your time to engage with. I mean, this really just is a, 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 an altruistic experience for us to just go away to and give do back. all that deep, just to deep give research. Yeah. Uh, that's Cassie Delaney. That's me. Should we introduce ourselves? I'm Jen O-D-W-Y-E-R Dwyer. <laughs> Why did I even say it? That's so fucking weird, isn't it? It's because people, um, when you ask online, do people ask you how you spell your second name? No? Yours is White, though, no. <laughs> no. no. Cassandra Lorraine, what's I'm your Sophie second White. name? Delaney. <laughs> no, I don't. Nobody even cares. Fuck's sake. Okay, Jen O'Dwyer, sorry, that was weird. D-W-Y-E-R <laughs> Dwyer. Dwyer. <laughs> I should just be on the fucking creep type. You should be researching my shit weird life and then delivering it back inaccurately. Imagine we did that to you one week. That would be such a fun pet project really, one week. A really fucked up episode of This Is Your Life. <laughs> you know so I know You know so some much. dark shit. That is a thesis I wouldn't need to research in any way. So um, uh, hopefully you got the gist of it there in that ramble. <laughs> and this is who we are. And finally, we're on to our very last podcast, which is Pod Save America. (laughs) Tell me. Well, I think it's no under-exaggeration to say that over the past five years, all of our news, all of my sort of political thinking has been very much in the States because that's Mm -hmm. where the craziest things have been happening, to be perfectly Mm -hmm. honest. And, you know, I think Trump was just such a, a bizarre character to put it mildly, on the political stage. And, uh, you know, it was just so, everything he did was so transformational in a horrendous way. And I think it was hard to, for me at least, to stay connected to quote unquote mainstream media. You know, I, I struggled with just watching CNN and trying to get my fill of an understanding of what was going on there. Generally speaking, it's usually four guys um, who were on it, and they all worked for Barack Obama as his speechwriters or as his campaign managers or some scope within that. And I just think that they break down the climate of politics in the US, explain the different characters who are involved there, and talk about it from a perspective that was just really easy to understand what was going on. And I loved during lockdown, especially just the other directions that they took it in. For example, I'm obsessed with like uh, the psychology of ad campaigns because we don't really mm. have, you know, we have like a party political broadcast, but we don't have like a... Not a, what they do in the States though. It's crazy what they're allowed to say. Oh, it's completely crazy. I mean, there's ones where they're like accusing um, other candidates of being witches mm. and stuff like yeah. that. It's, the truth there was an ad that accused a female candidate of being a witch I was like (laughs) what world are we living in and I honestly I just can't get enough of it I love them I think they're hilarious super intelligent and uh talking about something that is as morbid as true crime is these days to be honest one of the most important parts of America is this peaceful transition of power from one president to the next even when they're bitter rivals and I I think that 
he's slapping that tradition in the face. I think that this, you know, departure ceremony and whatever speech he gives could end up emboldening and inflaming all the people we just saw trying to storm uh, the Capitol and overturn the results. It's not great that half of Republicans seem to think that the party didn't do enough in the first place to back his election uh, lie. So, you know, it sends a bad message domestically. It sends a bad message abroad. It's just it's it's the last act of a sad, sad man. Love it. I'm glad he's not going. I think the fact that we did not have a peaceful transfer of power because of Trump sent a very bad message about the peaceful transfer of power. He is not a fan of one. He does not represent it. He can't embody it. So get out. Yeah. And then we have to just make sure we defeat the movement that empowered him. You know, I, there was that you, you know, I was kind of I stopped myself for three full days from um, joining the uh, is Trump a fascist wars of Twitter. Uh, uh, I almost did. I had a couple really good points that I think would have really settled it. Uh, but I but I didn't but I didn't do it. I think, though, the, like, is he a fascist, even though he was incompetent? What is fascist? I, I think the thing that is most frightening, and I think it is one of his biggest legacies beyond the mass death and the judges, uh, which I would put at uh, two and three, um, is that regardless of how successful he was of an authoritarian, regardless of the guardrails that failed or didn't fail or held up in the end, I think what is most chilling is the kind of fascism he engendered in people's hearts, that 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 it's not just that he didn't believe in the peaceful transfer of power. He spoke to and encouraged and engendered and nurtured an anti-democratic in this movement that will long survive him. One thing you mentioned there, which is true, we all do look to America. We are affected mm -hmm. by America. Even things that happen over here, it's kind of sometimes America, that's the driving force. And one thing that I know affected both of you and you talk a lot about in your podcast was the Black Lives Movement mm -hmm. last year. And, you know, it's something that has affected this country for a long time, but it was only really ignited by, you know, stuff that we saw with George Floyd. And I know you've mentioned on your podcast, Brianna Taylor and the Elijah McClain and other stories that people didn't really know about. How important was it for you to talk about that and use your platform and your space to talk about these murders? Incredibly important. We had a big, long conversation about what we could do that would be effective to signal boost mm -hmm. the, the Black Lives Matter movement. And we decided that we had to do something that was more long-term than just one episode about the Black Lives Matter movement and then we all forget about it and move on. We felt really strongly that it had to be a continuing conversation. So that's why we decided to do the BLM series where every month we release a new story of a Black person who died at the hands of the police and not just in America, not just mm -hmm. in Britain, in Australia as well, to try and make the point that although... Yes, the movement was absolutely lit on fire in America, but it is happening all over as well. How do you wish to kind of use the podcast moving forward? Because obviously the podcast over the last four years yeah. has evolved a lot. Like we talk about in the cupboard with the 10 pound mic and, <laughs> and then as the stories change and, and kind of using it, where do you see the future of Red Handed? Well, I think when we started the show, we really had no concept of what the show was going to be. Since last year, since last January, probably maybe since COVID started, I think it's given us a lot of time to reflect on what we actually want to achieve with this platform. And luckily we were able to build that. And now Hannah and I have a bit more freedom in terms of being able to explore topics and areas that we're really passionate about and that we want to signal boost, but also have advocacy 
for and put our weight behind if we can. So for example, definitely the Black Lives Matter racism and how it relates to true crime and the justice system at large is something that Hannah and I are both incredibly passionate about. So that was a given. Also women's rights, for example, like the episode that we've put out this week on femicide in Mexico, we we talk a lot about domestic abuse and coercive control. I think one of the things that people still struggle to get their heads around often is, well, why didn't she just leave? Mm. And I think that is such a a key thing that we hammer home all the time and bang Mm -hmm. on about because we really want people to understand it's not that simple. And I think if Mm -hmm. you read a headline in a newspaper, it's very easy to read that and close the paper and be like, oh, well, I, I don't get it. I don't know why she didn't just leave. If we can tell you in an hour, all about that person, all about that woman, all about what led to her murder at the hands of this person, then I think it's it helps people contextualize it and it helps them see that it could happen to anybody. And I think that moving away from victim blaming is one of those. Mm-hmm. We also worked with We Can't Consent to This, which was in relation to the Grace Mullane case, which was about the rough sex defense, which has thankfully now been gotten rid of in this country. But up until what, Hannah, was it this year, last year? Last year, the MPs voted to add to the domestic abuse bill that it was no longer allowed for a man to kill, well, a person to kill their partner and be like, oh, it was just a sex game gone wrong, which happens all the time. But now that defence is not usable. But it was a lot more common than people think. And that's what We Can't Consent to This did, is they put every story of a woman who died in the same place. And when there are so many stories under the same roof, as it were, it gets more difficult to ignore. Obviously, we've we've watched and listened to the podcast grow so much over the the past few years. And I'm just wondering, just both of you, how do you cope with like, do people just want to talk about murders with you all the time? You know, when you're like, (laughs) when parties happen, remember those, like, do people just come up to you and just go like, and talk about this episode? And do you ever just need to go, I just need to not talk about murders or anything like this for just a little while? It's a good question. And actually, I think that because the show does bring out our personalities as well as us just talking about true crime, mm-hmm. we, we've we started to do AMAs with our audience because we haven't been able to do any live shows all year or <laughs> last year. So we wanted to have that interactivity and sort of that communication again uh, with our audience. And I was really pleasantly surprised when Hannah and I pulled up the list of AMA questions that we got. And uh, there's, yeah, maybe like 50% true crime, but the rest of them are like, what silk hair wrap does Saruti use? And what conditioner does Hannah use? And I think we have been able to transcend just true crime. But Mm -hmm. like Hannah said, I think that I will never get bored of people wanting to talk to me about true crime. We're lucky Mm -hmm. enough that this is genuinely our passion. We love it. You could talk to us about it all day long and we're here for it. Hannah and Saruti, I've I've pretty much talked to you for an hour about it almost (laughs) all day long. Thank you so much for joining me on Castaway. Thank you so much for the recommendations and looking forward to years and years more of Red Handed. Thank thank you so so much much for having us. And that's it. Another episode down as we delve deep into my guest's audio world. I hope you get cast away by today's top podcast picks. Yeah, I just said that, sorry. All of the podcasts we've mentioned today are included in the episode show notes. Now, if you love this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of Cast Away delivered straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 